good things. He's always revealing things to us. And in that song, that abide song that we sang, God gives us good things. He's always revealing things to us. And in that song, that abide song that we sang, good things. He's always revealing things to us. And in that song, that abide song that we sang, he's, there was these lyrics in there, right? Be my all, my treasure, and my prize. And then all of a sudden, you know, God works in me really, really weirdly. He's like, treasure and prize, what do you think of, right? So I want to take you back to your childhood for a second, right? I want you to think about that McDonald's drive through when you went through with your parents. And when you went through and you said, can I have a happy meal? And your happy meal got there in front of you, right? And you were really, really excited to open it up and see what your treasure and your prize was, right? Everybody's back there, right? We know exactly that feeling. Oh my goodness, what is it? What is it? Oh my gosh, and what'd you do with it? You showed everybody. Jesus is our treasure and our prize. Are we showing people him? Are we excited about a little toy as much as we're excited about Jesus or vice versa, right? We got to think about the simple things in life. That treasure and that prize was so important to us. We were a child, sometimes even today, right? That we cannot take the greatest treasure and prize we have in Jesus Christ for granted, and we got to tell as many people about it, right? So, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here today. Uh, my name is Pastor Jeremy, which is getting really difficult for me to say, but thank you for dealing with me. As you can see, Pastor Jeff and Debbie are not here, and there's a story as to why. So, what's the why, right? So, for real, Pastor Jeff and Debbie were supposed to go to Georgia for Christmas. They're supposed to spend Christmas with their sons in Georgia. Unfortunately, there was storms and flights got canceled and everything, and they didn't get to go. So God made a way for them to go later, and that's where they are now. However, God's timing is always perfect because their son Brandon experienced an injury where he needed surgery, and he's recovering. Like, he's laid up. He's not moving, and they're there to help. So God's always got a plan that's bigger than our flights, that's bigger than the airlines, and with that, to get them there and allow them to be there at the time they needed to be there. So uh, just be praying for them, be praying for Brandon and the family as they experience their time in Georgia, and uh, as Pastor Jeff and Deb renew themselves so that when they come back, they're ready to go. Before I start today, um, I've got a few appetizers for you, right? We, we do appetizers before we do the main course, all right? I have to say thank you, all right? And you're like, what do you got to say thank you for? I've got to say thank you because this is the first time that I've stood up here since I've been ordained, and I need to thank you guys, one, for your prayers, two, for the words of encouragement that I received, three, for the cards that have been mailed to me, four, for the people online who have reached out to me and let me know that they're grateful. I'm so thankful for you guys for making me believe that this is what God has for me. Because if he would have showed me many, many moons ago that this is what there was, I would have walked away. <laughs> All right, my whole life up until certain points was spent trying to attain things. All right, Nicole's known me since we were, we used to play tennis together. All right, believe it or not, when we were in elementary school, we used to play tennis and I just wanted to be a tennis champion. I just wanted to beat her, right? But we always, I always was somebody who strived for things. If it was medals, if it was trophies, if it was titles. You know, I, I wanted to be an Ironman, so I did Ironman triathlon. If it was becoming a Marine, I had that title of Marine. You know, now I've got a college degree. Um, I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I've got all these titles. But I planned for all of them. I went and I strove to go after them. I didn't go after this. 
And it's really, really important that you understand that, okay? Because people are like, great accomplishment. And it is, don't get me wrong, and I'm not downplaying at all. But God did this to me, okay? And, and we need to understand that because if God can do it to this misfit, he can do it to any of y'all. <laughs> All right, we need to understand that. So again, thank you for all your words of encouragement and everything. The only thing that I know I'm called to do, all right, is I'm called to support the pastors of RLC to the best of my ability with the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given me. All right, I know that's what he's called me to do. And he's called me to serve in quest. Other than that, pastor was never on the list. All right, but other people saw things in me just as we see things in you that we don't see in ourselves, and God reveals them. So again, thank you so much for everything you guys do for us behind the scenes. It's uh, really important, and I'm truly grateful for it. So thank you very much. But I want to speak to you. I want to give you another appetizer like we had the mozzarella sticks, and now we're moving on to like the, the, the blazing onion or whatever it may be, right? I want to talk about an event that happened this week that unified our country. It united it. Anybody know what it is? DeMar Hamlin, right? Buffalo Bills football player. He united a country. Did he plan for it? Heck no. All right? But what I want you to understand, okay, is that we are united in this country right now over somebody. Does anybody know him personally? Anybody ever had coffee with him or anything like that? No. How many people, and you don't got to answer, but how many, how many of us have prayed for him? Right? He united a country, which is absolutely amazing. There's been more prayer this week on public television than we've seen in who, who God knows how long, right? If you don't know, all right, this is amazing. This is a truly a miracle, right? Obviously, we saw that night. If you're not familiar with the story, I just want to recap because I had students who did, they were like, Mr. Roberts, I got no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. But on the Monday night football game, there is a, a football player named DeMar Hamlin who played for the Buffalo Bills. He went to make a tackle. When he made the tackle, he went down. He stood back up. He went back down again. And then he was in cardiac arrest. They had to do CPR on him. They shocked him with an AED. They rushed him to the hospital. And today he is speaking, talking, and actually posting stuff on Instagram, which is a miracle. All right? But my question is, is why was this accident so uniting. Why did so many people come together for this one person? Now, I've got a couple different ideas. One, none of us have seen anything like this before in our lives, right? This has not been captured on national television. Nobody's seen anything. This has never happened in football before where somebody's gone into cardiac arrest on the field, okay? So it's something that we've experienced and we ex most of us experienced together or shortly after, due to social media and the news, saw it happen, okay? That's one reason, okay? Two, that brought us to prayer, right? People started praying for him. Now, if you don't know, this is Daniel Orleski, who is a commentator for ESPN, an NFL commentator. He was actually an NFL football um, quarterback. He did something that's unheard of, right? How many people said, I'm going to pray for you? And then you forget to pray, Right? I've done it over and over and over, right? Daniel said, the heck with it. On live television on ESPN, all right, he said, I'm going to pray for DeMar Hamlin, and he prayed. Like, went at it. 
Like, God, I believe you for his healing. God, I trust you for his health. Like, if you want to look up something that's powerful, you can look it up on YouTube. He put his job, he put millions and millions of dollars on the line to pray for somebody. Not caring what anybody else thought about him. Knowing that persecution was going to come. Right? He stood boldly before the throne. Right? So we've seen prayer this week. We've seen prayer on TV. And look at this. DeMar Hamlin had an idea. He was going to raise $2,500 for the children of Pittsburgh to buy them toys. Since Monday, he had $1,700. Today, he's got over $8 million. What I'm saying here is God can use anything for good, right? He can use anything to bring people together and unite them, right? Pastor Gabe and I were discussing this, and this united front that we've seen over a life, right? What if we brought it to the church? What if all the churches were united? What could possibly happen? You know what Pastor Gabe believes? Pastor Gabe believes that's when we're going to see revival. Right? So we can learn a lot from this incident. We can learn a lot from this accident. Now for me, this is totally different. All right? I've experienced this. I was on a lacrosse field 11 years ago, running a tryout. One of my midfielders, who the guys who run up and down the field, took a shot. My defenseman raised his arm up, and the, the defenseman got hit in the chest with the ball, and he went into cardiac arrest right in front of me. I ran down the field, and one of my buddies who was coaching with me, we had to do CPR on him. I gave him breaths. My buddy gave him chest compressions, and an AED showed up. We shocked him, and today he's 26 years old. He's married. He's got a family. All right? I say this because I'm, I'm no different than anybody else here. God can use anybody, but this is real to me. This is really real, okay? But in all this, the one thing that I've come out of this believing, all right, is we got to stop and pause for a second because a lot of good stuff has happened from this, but we need to realize that DeMar Hamlin's life is no different than the four people who were stabbed in Utica this week. His life is no different than the people who've been shot and killed in Syracuse this week. Jesus knows each one of their names. And he knows yours too. Okay, so let's not put a different levels on life, all right, just because he's an NFL football player and this incident here. Life is life. If we care about life in the womb, then we care about life no matter where it's at, no matter how it happens, God loves and cares about each one of his children. And that's all of us, including them, and even people that have suffered other accidents. So with that all being said, are we ready for the main course? Right? So last week, Pastor Jeff set us up really, really good to, to jump into the new year. Right? He gave a message titled Hope Filled 2023. All right? Where he talked about building three different things. Building courage regaining faith, and creating hope, right? Those are three things that over the last two to three years through all the things that we've been through as a society that are waning. People don't have a huge faith anymore. People are struggling with their hope, and it's really hard to be courageous. But he shared a scripture with us, the Hebrews 
6.18, it says, You have a, who have run for your very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. So I'm going to ask you a question today. Are you grabbing for God with both hands? Are we hanging on with one hand and doing things with the other hand? Or are we doing as I do sometimes, juggling? Juggle, 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 grab. Juggle, 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 grab God. I need him here. Juggle, juggle, grab. That's not what he wants. The scripture says, grab the promised hope with both hands. Do you know what happens when you grab with both hands? You can't put anything else there. There's nothing else to hang on to. The only thing we need to be hanging on to is God. We all have a spiritual desire to grab God with both hands and never let go. But this world has got such a pull on us that it's very, very difficult. So today I'd like to share a message with you titled New Beginnings. But before I do, let us pray. Would you bow your heads, please? Dear Lord, we thank you for today, Lord. Lord, I thank you that as I have the opportunity to speak your word today, Lord, that you speak through me, Lord. May your anointing be on me. May your words come from my lips, Lord. May I be the vessel, an obedient vessel to use to help each person come and grow closer to you. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives, Lord. We thank you for the things you're going to apply. And Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So we're eight days into the new year, a time where many people attempt to make changes in their lives to better themselves. How are you doing? Right? Who went to the gym this week? All right. Was it busier? Absolutely, right? It fills up because what we see, right, is there, there's, a, there's themes that go along with New Year's resolutions. But in 2022, 41% of Americans made a New Year's resolution. 41% of Americans. At the end of 2022, only 90% of them had stuck with them. That's a pretty, pretty good fail rate, which is okay, right? But I want to look at some statistics from about 2023. So this survey was just done in November, in late October, as to what some people's New Year's resolutions were for this year, right? Out of 413 people who were surveyed, 52% of them said that they wanted to exercise more. 50% of them that said they wanted to eat healthier. 40% of them said they wanted to eat or lose weight. They wanted to eat less, hopefully, and exercise more. 39% said they wanted to save money. 37% said they wanted to spend time with family and friends. This one blows my mind, honestly. 20% said they wanted to spend less time on social media. 19% said they wanted to reduce job stress. And 19% said they wanted to reduce spending. So as I look at this chart and, and try to figure it out, I see three things here, or two things. The top three things to exercise more, eat healthier, and lose weight all have to do with self. And they all have to do with health. Now our body is a temple. We got to keep it healthy so that we can do God's work, right? But think about that. The other thing that I found really interesting, it was there was only one resolution that included other people, right? And that's spending more time with family and friends. We're not here to serve ourselves. 
God wants us to serve others. But usually these resolutions are focused on self rather than others. As we look at the resolutions today, it may be difficult for us to believe that some of these New Year's resolutions, the history of them, dates back 4,000 years ago when the first New Year's resolutions were set, back with the Babylonians. For early Christians, New Year's resolutions date back to 1740 when John Wesley, a clergyman from England, started what would be called a covenant renewal service, a night of praise and worship, a night of singing hymns, a night of confession and asking for forgiveness, and a night of new starts. And these services still take place today. So now that we know what the popular New Year's resolutions are and a little bit about the history of what, what New Year's resolutions are about, we can get into talking about what we're going to do today. So over the last year, I've come in contact with lots and lots of people, and I've heard this saying many, many times. All right? I can't wait for this year to be over. And I hear the giggles out there, right? I can't wait for 2022 to be over. But my question is why? Now, my daughter's going to turn 16 this year. I'm not wishing her to turn 17, <laughs> right? But why am I wishing for the year to be over? What's this about? When the year ends, what do we get? Because we turn a page on a calendar, does it change the circumstances we face? Did the tests and trials we faced in 2022 immediately erase when the clock struck midnight like Cinderella? No, they didn't. They're still there. We're going to carry them into 2023. We know that they don't disappear. So if our circumstances do not change and we're facing the same challenges we faced in 2022, then it's up to us being directed by God to make the necessary changes we need to make. But how many of us know change is never easy? But it's not impossible with God's help. The other good news is it's never too late to change our lives. In order to make God-directed changes in our lives, we will create new beginnings. It will take the, one of the three words that Pastor Jeff shared last week. To make new beginnings in our lives, it's going to take courage. There's nothing easy about change, but it takes courage to do what we're not sure of, to step out in faith. Nelson Mandela said, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the triumph over it. Fear is always going to be there. It's what we do with the fear, if we let it paralyze us, or if we triumph it, is where we, where we exhibit courage. All right? Some of you may have heard this before. Um, I'll share this story with you. When I was back with Quest many, many years ago, we went to Beaver Camp. And um, Beaver Camp is a high ropes course out in Lawlville. And um, even though I jumped out of helicopters and stuff when I was in the Marines, I'm not a big fan of, of heights. Like, I could stay away from them. But um, we got to this obstacle, and the kids were like, Jeremy, you got you to gotta do this. And I'm looking at them in my head, and I'm going, no, 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 I don't have to do this. The name of the obstacle was the heebie-jeebie. So if that even tells you where we start, we're there, right? So the heebie-jeebie was this tree that you had to climb up like 20, 30 feet, all right? And when you got there, then there was a tightrope to another tree. 
but there was a tightrope transfer. So you're walking the tightrope, and then you had to transfer to the other tightrope, and then you had to walk to the other tree. And they're like, you can do it, you can do it. I'm like, I don't want to do it. And, but I said, hey, you know what? If they believe in me, I'm going to believe in myself, <laughs> or else I'm going to set myself up nicely to succeed. So I said, you know what? You guys are right. I'm going to do it. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. So you know what I did? I blindfolded myself. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to show them I can do it. Really what I was doing, right? If I blindfolded myself, I didn't have to look at the heights. <laughs> right? If I fell, it didn't matter because I couldn't see what I was doing anyways. Right? But if I conquered this thing, they were going to think I was the greatest thing in the world. Right? So I blind Tommy, you remember this, don't you? He's shaking his head back there. Right? I blindfolded myself, and I just felt and climbed and felt and climbed, and then I shimmied, and then I transferred, and then I shimmied, and I was done. And they were like, ah! I'm scared to death. Right? But there's no way I was going to conquer my fear if I didn't exhibit a little bit of courage. Now, what did I know that they didn't know? I knew the ropes were going to hold me. I knew the harness was going to hold me. I knew that if I fell, it didn't matter. Right? But to them, it was everything, right? So we do have the ability to conquer our fears, all right, and triumph over them. But to start new beginnings, we have to be courageous. But there will be a cost. God-directed changes in our lives will have an earthly cost, but they'll have eternal value. If we remember what Pastor Jeff taught over the last year, it's about abiding, which we actually sung about today. There's a constant pruning that leads to abundant growth in our lives. So as our congregation moves into 2023 and begins next week to start our 21 days of fasting and prayer, it's very important that we check in with God to do an honest evaluation of our lives. In the past, we've called it reset or reboot. But today, I would like to look closely at a tool God has given us to do evaluation and talk about how we can make God and the Holy Spirit major players in this process. We can learn so much from David's prayer in Psalm 139, which reads, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out to me anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Before we get into breaking down this challenging scripture, Let's think about the things that David already believed about the one he was asking to execute this prayer. David believed in God, the omniscient God, the all-knowing God. He believed in the omnipresent God, the God who is present in all places. And he believed in the omnipotent God, the all-powerful God. God knows all, he sees all, and he has it all. David was willing to put everything on the line to have God examine and show him which areas of his life needed to make changes in and which areas of his life he needed new beginnings. As we go through this prayer today, I'll be using the New Living Translation and the easy-to-read version to gain a better perspective of what this is all about. So let's jump right in. When we look at the very first part of Psalms 139, verse, verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, know my heart. Then the, the easy-to-read version says, God, examine me and know my mind. 
I want to take a quick look at the opening of this verse. We look at the two words, search and examine. Search means to look into, to look over thoroughly and carefully. Examine brings this to a whole new level. To inspect closely or to investigate. Now, I remember being back in Marine Corps boot camp and going through numerous uniform inspections. Our drill instructors would walk up and down the line and they would look us, they would stop in front of us and they would look us up and down head to toe looking for a discrepancy in our utility uniform, which would be our camouflage uniform. It had to be starched. It had to be pressed. All our lines had to be set. We had to have spit shine boots. If it was our dress uniforms, they would measure out our ribbons if they were placed the right way. Our belts had to be at the perfect length. They would look for anything that was wrong. And you know what? They would always find something. There would be this little thing that many people don't know about called an Irish pennant. All right? An Irish pennant in the Marine Corps is something that's loose, right? So how many people, like if you had a pocket sewn on, you know that little thread that sticks out? That little thread that many of us don't pay any attention to? This is what they would find, all right? And they would ding you on it, all right? This Irish pennant would be there, or if it wasn't there, they would make it there. They would find a thread and they would pull it to create it. But why am I talking about this? This Irish pennant is no big thing. It's just a thread that's out of place. But what we look at here, all right, in this examination, is to them, it wasn't about the thread being about, out of place. It was about the attention to detail. And that's what God has for all of us, is that attention to detail. This single Irish pennant has a definition that in, in the dictionary as a loose, untidy object. All right? Or a line left hanging loose and out of place. To David, when he asked God to search or to examine him, he was asking God to show him every little thing that was out of place. By asking God to search and examine him, he was do, what he was doing was bringing light to the darkness that was in his life. Now, as a parent, I've done this many times. I say, you better go clean your room. And when you're done, I'm going to come and inspect it. Right? And everybody's like, yeah, right. But my question is, is when you've told your children or told somebody to go clean your room, have you ever walked in the room and never turned the lights on? Right? No. We turn the lights on so that we can see if it's clean or not, right? That's what we do. But what David was doing here by bringing God to the table is he was asking God to bring light to his darkness. He was asking God to show him things that he can't see because he was living in darkness and reveal them to him. And it, it says right here, we learn that Jesus is the light that we can all see. It says in John 8, 12, Later, Jesus talked to the people again, and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never live in darkness. They will have the light that gives life. To do an honest search or examination of ourselves, we need the light. We need God to do the examination. We can only see what we see. We deceive ourselves often, and we'll learn more about this later. We can have God and the Holy Spirit examine and reveal things in our lives if we just invite them in. 
I look at it this way. The Holy Spirit to me is like night vision goggles, right? When I was in, we'd go into a room, we didn't have to turn the light on because we had goggles that showed us what was going on. I have the light on in here all the time, but there's still dark things in my life. The Holy Spirit's those night vision goggles that show me what, where the darkness is. The Holy Spirit can reveal things to us that are hidden and tucked away in the dark areas of our lives. The best part of this scripture says, if we follow Jesus, we will never live in darkness. We will sin, of course, but we won't end up in the dark place for eternity. I would like to remind you that when a doctor or investigator goes in to search for something or examine something, they don't ransack it. The Holy Spirit will convict us by revealing things, but the Holy Spirit will not condemn us. That's the work of the enemy. So as we go through this prayer and you're asking God to search you and stuff, if you're just getting ripped, shredded, torn apart, God doesn't condemn you. God convicts. He's going to show us, but he's not going to beat us up with it. There's going to be a choice we got to make in it. If you're getting beat up with it, then you got to understand what the enemy is trying to do. And you're going to learn later what you got to do when that happens. Going back to Psalms 139, we look at it. It says, search me, God, oh God, know my heart, examine me, and know my mind. We all believe we have good hearts and good minds. We can answer what our motives are and the reasons we do things. And we are always ready to tell people what's important to us and why. We believe our hearts are good because we pray and read our Bibles. But when God does a search of our heart and examines our minds, which are our thoughts, what does it show? We have to be reminded what it says in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I'm going to say it first. I lie to myself. I told myself I'm stupid. I told myself I'm better than them. I told my, myself I don't need to do that. And the list goes on. We're born into a sinful world. Our heart without God is all about self. Our heart is geared towards the temporary, not the eternal things. If we don't include God. Our heart wants the easy way, not the holy way without including God. And lastly, our hearts can become obsessed with the what we want rather than what God wants for us. Our world says, follow your heart. If you leave here with one thing today, if you leave here with one thing today, I would say, follow God and he will show you his heart and the love he has for you and all of humanity. Again, follow God and he will show you his heart and the love he has for you and all of humanity. David knows he's fallen short several times after being deemed a man after God's own heart. David knows he cannot trust his own heart and his own mind. Courageously, David invited God into his innermost thoughts and asked God to alter his perspective and see things truly as if God sees them. And help him to walk in the ways 
that will prosper his soul. That's a deep, courageous prayer. But it can be life-changing as well. The second part of verse 23 goes on to say, Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me and know all my worries. How many people can relate? Right? We've all got concerns. We've all got worries. We've all got anxious thoughts. You know, being a school teacher, I've dealt with more anxiety over the last two years than I've ever dealt with in my life. Okay, so this is real and relatable. David goes on to ask God to test him. Show him his anxious thoughts and his worries. This word test here isn't your scantron sheet and what the question is, all right? This is a, this is a purification process, all right? This process is the same process which they use when purifying gold and silver, where they put it under extreme heat so that the impurities can be removed. David is saying, show me, bring out my impurities, all my thoughts and worries that are not of you, God. Let them boil to the surface. Show me the things in my life that don't line up with the truth of your word. The worry and anxiousness are impure thoughts that David knows the root of anxiety falls from flawed thinking. A thinking that doesn't line up with the truth of God. Often, our anxious thoughts and worry expose things to us. I've heard it said before that what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear the most shows where we trust God the least. Do you have anxiety over money? Maybe you do not trust the one who provided the food for the sparrows and gave manna to the Israelites for 40 years. Maybe you get anxious and worried about the political climate, but please remember that all authority is appointed by God. Maybe you get worried about your children. Please remember what it says in Psalms 127. Children are a gift from God. Our children were God's before he blessed us with them. How much more does he care for them than we do ourselves? Cast away our worry and fear and give them to God. Trust that he is in control. David asked God to refine his thinking and show him any impurities which would cause him to think in ways that don't align with the truth. When God brings these impure thoughts to us and worries to the surface, we have a choice what we can do with them. We can sit on them or we can entertain them. But we need to do what it says in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting the whole care, your whole care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, this part is important, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. We can give all of our thoughts, concerns, and worries to God for one single reason. He cares about you. Anxiety and worry can be consuming and it can be tiresome. But please remember the promise of the scripture. We don't have to carry around this baggage that weighs us down. We can hand it over to God and have a great weight lifted from our lives. When we look at the word cast, many of us may think efficient. We must understand the one meaning, the real meaning of this is to throw something away forcefully. 
to throw away the anxiety, the worry, the concerns. Cast them all on God and don't reel them back in. Let it go and let the line snap. All right? When we cast them on God, it's not like a boomerang and they come back to us. When we cast them to God, it's like a stone. We throw it, it hits the water, and it sinks. But it doesn't sink us. When the Holy Spirit brings to light the things in our thoughts that don't line up with God, we must throw them to God and get rid of the baggage. And understand that it's okay because God cares with us with great affection. Looking at 139.4, it says, Point out anything in me that offends you. Make sure that I'm going, not going the wrong way. The progression in this scripture is amazing to me. God moves from our thought life to our hearts and our minds to our anxiety and our worries, now to our actions. By David asking God to show him the areas of the life where he's headed in the wrong direction or those areas that offend God means that some sort of action was taken in his life. As we've heard before from Pastor Jeff, it's not a sin to be angry. But when we act on our anger, that's when sin comes in. It's very important for us to ask God what offends him and most importantly, why. The reason is we all have the ability to rationalize. Remember, our hearts are deceitful. I have the ability to make the wrong thing that I may be doing seem like the right thing. We do this often with good things rather than God things. There was a time where I was serving in Quest and I know I had call, been called to be there where I said, you know what? Quest is on Wednesday night, but there's a great Christian concert that's come to town. I'm going to skip Quest and I'm going to go to this concert. It's a Christian thing. It's good. But what God revealed to me is it wasn't where God called me to be. We have the ability to make anything look good. Right? I'm going to this thing. It's Christian. It's good. No, God called me to be in quest and serve the kids of quest. We have to understand that there are good things and there are God things, and the God things always weigh them out. We can rationalize about anything. We can make things seem good. I can say, I can have a beer. I'm 21, it's totally fine. But for me, having one beer is not a good thing. Because one beer could lead to two beers, could lead to three beers, could lead me down a wrong path. So for me, it's better to say that no alcohol is a great thing. Okay? We have to understand where we can rationalize with things and where we can't. Right? David showed us this in his life. When he said, hey, Bathsheba, send her over here. What was he thinking? Right? He rationalized why he could ask this woman to come over. Right? He rationalized why he sent Uriah to the front lines. Our heart's deceitful. We can make anything look good. All right? So we have to understand that when we ask God, he reveals what's important to us. Asking God to show us the things that offend him or the places where we're headed in the wrong direction is like pulling out a spotlight. Again, God can illuminate areas, but it's up to us to make the changes or rationalize with these offenses and carry on with our lives. 
Walking in the way that hurts and offends God will only lead to death and destruction, which often has us grow further and further away from God, which is the plan of the enemy to separate us from God one by one. If I start heading down the wrong path, he separated me from God. But then the people who are around me see me heading down the wrong path, and they say, if he's heading down the wrong path, then it's got to be okay for me. And then we can start one by one leading people away. Right? So we can't rationalize with these behaviors because all it, the enemy wants is for us to be separated and live a life of death and destruction. By living a life of walking the right path, it takes courage. We might have to walk away from friend groups, turn, away, turn off our TVs and computers. We might have to shut down social media. At one point in my life, I had to walk away from the game that I love. I coached lacrosse, and God said, you got to walk away. I could have easily rationalized and said, why? I'm influencing all these kids. I'm doing good stuff. I'm teaching them a game. But you know what? The game that I loved was drawing me further and further away from God. It had become an idol. When I was on the field, I was a person that I didn't want to be. I would be coaching on a Wednesday night and using vulgar language with kids, and then I'd come here 7 o'clock at night and be teaching kids about the Bible. I was a hypocrite. God said, walk away. I was like, no. And it took time, but I did. And it wasn't easy because it was something that I loved and I enjoyed. But what it did is it drew me further and further away from God, and that's nothing that I wanted. God's not asking us to give up the things we enjoy. He's asking us to give up the things we enjoy if they take us further and further away from him. All right, if they lead us down the wrong path. It's not easy to make changes in our lives, but remember, with Christ, all things are possible, and he works all things for good. David's prayer closes with, Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lead me on the path that will always be right. David knows that if he walks his own path, he'll get off course. As we're reminded by Jeremiah 29, 11, God has the plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God knows where you're supposed to be. He's got the map. We have to trust him and follow him to experience the great future he has before us. But it takes courage. Think about this. This is how sometimes how silly we are. So I've had to do a little bit more traveling than I usually do, and I've been going to places that I, I have no idea where I'm going. So what do I do? I do what anybody does. I pull out my GPS, I plug in the, the address, and I trust this little computer thing to take me where I'm going to get to. Right? We all do it. Right? But we take it for like, yeah, it knows everything that's going on. I'm just going to get there. And turn by turn, it says right turn, left turn, switch lanes, merge, all this stuff. We have a God who knows everything. Why don't we trust him? There's a reason. You want to know why? Because we think we don't know the final destination. 22 years ago, I didn't think I was going to be up here. All right? 
I knew that if I punched it in my, in my GPS, I was going to go to Philadelphia. But what we struggle is that we don't know the final destination. But I'm going to flip it on you. You know what the final destination is. The final destination is eternity with Christ. Everything along the path is just a turn to get there. All right, so think about this. If God said to you, thank goodness he didn't say to me 22 years, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to stand up in front of people and you're going to preach. You want to know why? Because I would have walked away. I would have said, there's no way. There's no chance I'm going to do that. Thank you very much. I'm going in a different direction. I would have been disobedient. This is the way God works. He says, do this. And when you've got that done, then he shows you the next turn. And when you do that, then he shows you the next turn. And when you do that, he shows you the next turn. Because if he revealed the whole thing to you, he'd blow your mind and you'd walk away. There's going to be times where he's going to say this to you. Recalculating. You want to know why? Because you haven't done the last thing he asked you to do. Many people know this. 22 years ago, I came to this church. I knew nothing about God. Zippity-dee-doo-dah, nothing. I had to go over to youth services. Right? I chose not to sit in main service. I chose to go to youth services so I could learn the Bible like a child. Honestly, I couldn't get it in here. Not that Pastor Jeff did anything wrong. It was just I wasn't ready for it. I had to learn like a child. But if God 22 years ago was said, you're going to do this, I would have walked. But little by little, turn by turn. All right? And I was disobedient. There was lots of recalculating going on, believe me. All right? He brought me down paths and said, go back, do what you got to do. All right? But I never would have got to where I am today if I didn't just follow turn by turn and get back on the path when I was off. And I say this not to go, I say this because you know what? He can do the same thing with you in whatever he's got for you to do, whatever he's called for you to do. I know I've been called to do two things, all right? And you're going to be, I've called to this church to be as su supportive and resourceful as I can be to the pastors who are here, Pastor Gabe and Pastor Jeff. I know that's one of the callings I have. The other calling that I have is to, is to work with the youth. I don't, people have seen, revealed, and shown me that I have a calling to be a pastor. Nothing that God revealed to me without lots of people showing it to me. Okay? He can do the same with you. But you got to follow him turn by turn. Not looking for the end goal, but living in the moment. David knows that if he's led by God, he will gain God's perspective, which will take the focus off himself and switch to what he can do for God and what he can do for others. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. When we're asking God to lead us down this path, it is always, which is always right and leads us to life, we've got to put Proverbs 3 into, into action. 
we got to trust God. We got to trust that when he says walk, walk. Now, we audibly hear the GPS say right turn. It's very hard to audibly hear God say, hey, over there. But everybody knows that that plucking, that prodding of the Holy Spirit, that little gut nudge of, hey, I got to do this. That's what we got to be looking and listening for. We got to allow him to help us figure it out. We got to go to God as a first resort, not a last resort. We're a society that says Google, WebMD, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, God. When if we just did God first, it would take care of all those other things. We'd save a lot of steps. You know, people are like, you know, you, you, they, they tell me, you've got you've to please your wife. And I do, don't get me wrong. But if I please God, I will please my wife. So if, it's so much easier. I don't have to please people. If I please God, I'm going to please everybody. We only got to focus on one spot. But how many of us are juggling so much other stuff? Right? Hang on with both hands. Don't let go. We got to listen for him in everything we do. We get so busy, it's hard to listen. Right? I'll be in a conversation with somebody, and I'll be listening to something else that's going on over here. How much time do we set aside for him? Just to listen. Just to listen. And we need to keep on his path, which is the right path. We got to trust that we don't know it all and seek God for his wisdom and his counsel through other reliable resources. God's going to send you people. Some of these people, you're going to be like, no, nope, can't be God. Can't be. Why would he use them? God used a donkey, he could use anybody, right? Many of you guys don't even know the man who turned us on to this building, Stuart Hepworth. If you would look at Stuart as the, the physical being that he was, you would have discounted him in a second. Not, not the most appeasing looking man that there was, not the most fluent with his language man that there was, but a man after God's own heart, like he had a heart for God. And he told Pastor Gabe and Pastor Jeff, look at this building. Look at this building. This building was a dump. The roofs were caving in. It was nothing like it is today. But if they would have said, ah, ah, Stuart, we're good. We could have missed all this. God can use anybody. Don't discount anybody. He's going to send people in your lives that are going to speak to you. And you got to listen. And you gotta, you got to digest it and see if it's from God or if it's just something else. We've got to run to God and run from evil. God has great plans in store for each one of us. So today we've looked at this prayer and we have the opportunity to, to live a life-changing life. David wanted God to reveal these areas of his life to him where he wasn't productive or pleasing to God. David had to humble himself. Trusting that God would reveal to him through prayer, fasting, studying of the scripture, and nudges of the Holy Spirit, and by people who are sent to him, that the best was still in store. So as we move into 2023, are we willing to humble ourselves? Are we willing to ask God to search us, 
to test us, to point out the things to us, and most importantly, to lead us into the year that has the best yet to come. One way that we can unite and do this is through the congregation's 21 days of prayer and fasting, an event that's going to be starting on January 16th and will conclude on March or February 5th. Tomorrow morning on the church website, reslifeny.org, we'll be posting the prayer devotional for anybody who wants it in PDF form to be able to print it. It'll be on the front page. Um, after that, if you don't want a printed version and you have the church app, every morning starting on the 16th at 5.30 in the morning, the daily devotional will show up on, on your device. All right? It'll also be posted on our Facebook and, and our Instagram pages. So you'll have plenty of different ways to access it. All right? Um, through these 21 days of fasting, what I would encourage you to do all right, is figure out what God, this week, figure out what God has for you to fast. All right? Um, but you do that by doing what we talked about today, by praying this prayer, search me, test me. Okay? Have a, search out, pray to God, what do you want me to give up starting on the 16th? But I say give up. Is God really asking us to give something up? No. We're setting something aside so we can have more of God, all right? And you'll hear more about that next week. So this week, start to ask God what it is that he has for you to set aside and what you're expecting to happen during these 21 days of prayer, right? It, it's not like, hey, I prayed for 21 days and it's over. What are you expecting to happen? Write it down, journal it each day. Because if you don't go on in with an expectation, then you have no realization what you actually get. Um, I know today's message was not necessarily the easiest to hear. Asking God to reveal things that are seen and unseen in our lives can be a very, very humbling experience. But we must know before asking God about these things, we've got to apply what we learned today. All right? When we ask God to seek us, examine us, search us, all right, he's going to do some things to us. There's going to be conviction. All right? He's going to show us, or he has the ability to show us through the Holy Spirit and other people, what those things are. He has the ability to correct us, to show us what these things are, and help us develop a plan on what we need to change. And there's the ability to redirect us. Some things might not be too far off course. We just got to do a little recalculating and get back on course. But all these things will change the way we see ourselves, and they'll help us change the way that we see others. It'll give us a new, a new perspective. What this prayer shouldn't do, as I said before, is it shouldn't condemn you. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. But this conviction shouldn't be condemnation. All right? Because God has a way for each one of us to, to get out of it. This examination may feel like a surgery at times. But the healing, after the healing pain, will come revelations that will make us more mature in Christ and help lead us on the path that he has planned for us. So as you've heard today, there is only one person who can bring light to the darkness and offers us new beginnings, and that's Jesus Christ. 
the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, the almighty God, a person I call my friend, my father. My question is, to you here in the sanctuary and those watching online, do you know him? I'd like to give everybody here today and those listening at home the opportunity to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior and make him king of your life. Having a personal relationship with Christ and having the Holy Spirit within us as a guidance system will help us shine light into the darkness and will lead us down the path that he has for us. For those here in the sanctuary and those at home, let us pray together. Would you please bow your heads? Please repeat after me. Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I recognize my need for forgiveness and I surrender my life to you today. I accept Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. Please show me your path and help me become the person you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.